Good afternoon, Ed Quinn. Welcome on VH Berries. Hello, Victor. How are you? I am extremely grateful. How about you today? You know, I uh, couldn't be much happier, Victor. I am in my new home. I just wrapped season six of The Oval. I have all kinds of fun stuff coming up. Life is uh, life is great right now. So um, I um, I really uh, couldn't be much happier. You couldn't be much happier, Ed Queen. But before that, I would like to do a health check about a very special item that you have, which is uh, the Tor exclusive 50 years uh, battle jacket by Judas Priest that you drown <laughs> under the water for the purpose of the cover of Whole Lota Rosie. <laughs> Okay, so a very good friend of mine, his name is Max Bretos. And now Max is a, um, he's very big soccer announcer in the, uh, in the American Professional League um, for the LAFC. Max is now the voice of LAFC. Before that, he was at ESPN for years and he's a good, good friend of mine. And we love old school heavy metal. And so he called me or I called him a year or so ago and said, Judas Priest is playing at the Gibson Theater and I've got second row seats on my computer. I could buy them right now. Do you want to go? And I'm like, yeah, I want to go. <laughs> so I, uh, we, we shoot over there to the Gibson Theater and uh, we get there a little early. So we're having a few drinks and we decide we need some memorabilia. Well, we had kind of been drinking too long and the lines were so long for all of the merchandise for Judas Priest because it's, you know, it's Judas Priest and everybody wants a Judas Priest shirt in this. By the time we got up there, there wasn't a lot left. It was either like <laughs> triple extra large t-shirts that came down to my knee or like shirts that would only come up to about here. He, he got one. He, he's a large, I'm an extra large. And he got the, the, quintessential, the, 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 the very iconic, uh, British steel, which is, you know, the hand holding the, the, uh, razor blade from the British steel album cover. I didn't know what else to get, but then I looked up and I saw this one ridiculous vest with the things out the back. And the, and I was like, Oh my goodness. And, and Max was like, you're not buying that. And I'm like, I think I have to. And he goes, no, I think you have to. So not that I buy it, but then I wore it around the, you know, the, the concert. And for whatever reason, when I was going to do the photo shoot for, uh, for the album, where I shot all of the art with this amazing photographer, Jeff Forney. I met Jeff Forney in Milan 30 something years ago. He was a huge model, you know, Armani and Hugo Boss. And, um, and now he's this great photographer. And so we had gotten, a bunch of uh, clothes from John Barbados and gone out to Joshua Tree to shoot. And we shot all day and all night. And we woke up in the morning, again, a little hungover. I mean, I, you're, you're French, you know, you understand. Um, 
<laughs> and I won. He had this cowboy top. He goes, oh, I got to shoot you in the cowboy top. What do you have left? <laughs> I go, how about this vest? And he goes, where did you get that? And I go, it's a long story. But I put my Judas Priest vest on. I got in the cowboy tub in the desert. He took a couple of photos and they're probably, we shot a lot of nice art, but those silly photos, you know, at dawn um, in the hot tub, in that vest are probably our favorite photos, so. This is your favorite photo uh, because you choose it as the album cover and uh, by putting this very special vest underwater we can say now that this is a destruction for creation this is a cycle yes it absolutely is and it also but judas priest goes back for me you know growing up as a kid in the late 70s and early 80s and learning to play guitar judas priest was just one of these larger than life bands that we loved it was judas priest it was iron maiden it was the rolling stones there were just some bands out there that were so iconic and so to me always their music and the way they play and the way they perform always hold a uh, a very special place in my heart so to be uh to be wearing that that vest and that photo is uh it's very fitting absolutely at queen and in definitive it might be not all about destruction because i have a solution it would be to put that vest on the cactus in the background uh, to uh, help the vest dry but uh, we could have some hole in addition uh, of the uh, gold studs that you just mentioned Victor, where were you? Where were you when we were in the desert and we needed you? We needed your eye for fashion. <laughs> we needed your creativity. So this here's the problem now, buddy. When we go shoot the art for uh, season two, guess who's flying from Montreal to Los Angeles? You, my friend. So you just, <laughs> you, you just got yourself a job whether you want it or not. So maybe that uh, the white knight uh, cannot mend a ripped uh, jacket uh, but white knights uh, they bend broken dreams yes no that is uh, that's that's a line from the new song um, that was just released <laughs> lights out love um, I'm, I am actually very proud of that song. I'm proud of the story that it tells. It was uh, it was a it was a, it was a cool moment um, in which I met um, someone flying on an airplane, and she told me her story, and it it always stuck with me. Um, and so I was very happy with the way the song came out, and then had this incredible opportunity to play the music, you know, to, to uh, make a, a real music video. I mean, I shot a couple of smaller ones for Routine and for um, Freak Show Cold. Um, and that was like me and one friend and us sort of doing this very contained small project. But for Lights Out Love, I flew to San Jose. I flew my band members in from Las Vegas, from Vancouver, from, and you know, and from LA. Um, and we did a four-day shoot on Lights Out Love. Nick Martinez and his uh, San Jose State Film School, um, they really uh, just went above and beyond. They were they worked so hard. 
they're really proud of the, the final product, as am I. So um, yeah, if you haven't checked it out yet, Lights Out Love, everywhere you stream or watch music, your Spotify's, your YouTube's, your Amazon, iTunes, wherever you watch music or stream music, it's worldwide. Absolutely, Ed Queen. And when I am watching this uh, video clip for that song uh, called uh, Lights Out uh, Love, I can feel that you gave so much of your energy because at the end, uh, the clip and the music end uh, abruptly, sharply in a flash. Yeah, no, it is. It's a uh... It's kind of a barn burner of a song. And so, you know, when it was done, it was just done. And so I, there is something I like that about a song. There's some songs, you know, you fade out slowly or you kind of wrap them up and that one just <laughs> done. Lights out, like a light switch, boom. So. Absolutely, Ed Queen and this particular song has a very fast BPM, uh, three letters that have a lot of meaning uh, for the Arthur Edward Queen legacy because BPM can also mean Barcelona, Paris and Milan. Ah, yes, Victor, yes. So when I got... <laughs> I, did, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I was a history major at the University of California, <laughs> Berkeley. And out of no, I was surfing a place called Ocean Beach, San Francisco. And I'm basically changing out of my wetsuit. So I'm half naked. And a gentleman came up to me and said, have you ever thought of shooting any pictures? Which is a really good way to get kidnapped and never be heard from again. But I had a lot of friends who are in the modeling world and they um, they said, you know, I, I, I ended up going to take pictures with a guy um, and I got an agent, then I got another agent. And then I don't know, I graduated and I was about to go and do an internship with Coldwell Banker and a big uh, commercial real estate firm. And instead, I went to Europe and I started in Paris, did one show, went to Barcelona and did a whole bunch of shows, went to Milan, got no shows, went back to Barcelona for about six months. And then um, the next three years, I just did the, the show tours where I would live in a city, I live in Barcelona or I live in Milan or I live in Paris or Hamburg or Geneva. And then would go do the, all the runway shows um, during show season, and uh, it's it it was a very indirect way for me to get to Hollywood because although I did model some, I wasn't a very good model. <laughs> there were a lot, you know, modeling was either very very beautiful young boys or men, and I was sort of early twenties. You know, I'd be a man eventually, but I wasn't pretty like the little kids. I know the young guys. And so, but what I did really well in was commercials. I think in two years, I shot 37 commercials all through Europe. In the early 90s, you couldn't turn on a TV anywhere in Europe and not have a commercial I was on pop up. So um, that sort of gave me the realization that I should be working on camera. Um, maybe I could do this. So that's why I moved to LA and started studying acting. 
in definitive at Queen, you completely turn the fashion week to the fashion months and year because uh, two of uh, those three cities are actually the capital of um, the fashion week uh, every time and you were uh, living there doing photography but also as you just mentioned some commercials mm -hmm. yeah I mean, it was because the i'm i'm big i'm a big guy i'm over uh i think i'm about two meters um six foot four inches so the clothes wouldn't fit for a lot of the photo shoots so they could make them fit for shows for runway shows um but then you know the beer commercial the car commercial the bank commercial the whiskey commercial i mean just on and on and on and so yeah i was very fortunate and you're right so milan and paris were the centers of, um, of of fashion barcelona i don't know if it's still true but barcelona was the capital of commercial production and everybody I mean, like i was shooting commercials for you know england and paris and italy and norway in barcelona because of the weather and because of the um the topography like they you know they have the seas and the islands and the the mountains and the and you it can double for everything and so a lot all from all over europe people would come to uh to all over the world really would come to barcelona to shoot commercials and so if you were there you'd shoot a lot but then i would go to milan or paris and i'd still get the commercials you know i'd, I'd be trying to get the armani campaign or the um you know the yves saint laurent nope I got the uh, I got I got a beer commercial instead, so that is what it is. <laughs> you get the beer commercial. This is what it is at Queen. And actually, before the year 2000, you also uh, had a step uh, way before uh, lights out love into the musical field with multiple uh, bands in which you uh, took uh, your parts, for example, uh, Matt Theory and also uh, Scattergood, uh, which means a, waits, a wasteful person spent third. Yeah, no, it's, it's very, very true. It's, um, I came from Europe to LA to, to act. I was studying acting, still making a living doing commercials here in the States. But, you know, I had played music my whole life. Uh, where I grew up in Berkeley, California, everyone played music. And we were really lucky that right in Berkeley, California was an unknown guitarist by the name of Joe Satriani, who now is considered one of the greatest guitarists to ever live. and. He was teaching kids at this secondhand guitar store. And so we all, we didn't just learn how to play. We learned how to play really well. And when I was back in LA and studying and hanging out, there were a bunch of other guys who also kind of played some music. And we just put a band together almost just for fun. And it just took off really quick. And pretty soon we were headlining the Sunset Strip. We had a lot of label interest. But music is very, very difficult. It is probably the most difficult industry in entertainment, if you ask me. It's, um, it's so hard to gain any kind of traction. It is so hard to get noticed. It is so hard to make a living. 
Um, and you know, you can get really close and then you have, you're a band that might be your three best friends, but after a while, everybody gets sick of everybody. So we, you know, you end up with these, uh, you know, the band implodes and then I took over the vocals to try and save it. And then that imploded. And I just, um, you know, I, I it, it's, it's, it was an incredible time and I had always thought of, and then I literally went back to acting and started acting, got lucky and have been working ever since. But it's, I've always kept playing music. I built a music studio over COVID. And now I'm starting to record all these songs that I was playing back in the day on, you know, you know, on, on the main stages of the Roxy and the Troubadour. And, um, and so it's, it's really fun to be able to finally record and promote all of this music decades later. I feel very fortunate. Absolutely. Ed Queen, uh, it uh, had a very special meaning that, uh, as you just mentioned, uh, your band uh, stopped before the beginning of the new millennial, the new century, the new decade as a fresh start for uh, new projects uh, such as Beeper, but also uh, almost two decades after The Oval. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, this uh, very special project? Um, yeah, so it was about it was about 2019. I had just come off of Two Broke Girls and stepped onto another show called One Day at a Time. Um, and So things were good. I had been working for a while. You know, before that, I was on a show called Mistresses. Before that, I was on a show called Revenge. I had just been sort of going from TV show to TV show, but joining shows that were already on the air. So always kind of coming in season two, season five, whatever. And so what was great was to get this phone call from... Well, I got the phone call to come in for a meeting and it was it was hardly an audition. It seemed like I didn't know what I was doing there. And I kind of read a couple of scenes. But when I left the meeting, <laughs> my phone rang and it was Tyler Perry on the other end of the phone. And he uh, he wanted to have a discussion about how he works and what was going to be expected of me. And, you know, he, he really wanted me to be able to anchor the show. Um, so he could build this huge world around it. And um, I don't know why he chose me, how he, where he saw me beforehand, but um, I, uh, I, you know, it was just this moment in time. And now, you know, we just finished season six. You know, we have 135 episodes we've completed so far. Um, I think we'll do at least one more. We could do many more seasons. So, It's been this incredible journey because not only does Tyler have such a global fan base that is very loyal to him, um, so you you have this instant built-in audience that sees it not just here in the states but you know Canada, France, UK, all through Africa, the Caribbean, Brazil, uh, Central America. Um, it's You know, during the pandemic, a lot of shows got shut down or a lot of people just couldn't work. And because Tyler owns his own studio and he works so fast, he could move the entire cast and crew 
into a bubble, a quarantine bubble, and we shot two seasons um, over during COVID, over quarantine, um, in his bubble. Um, so there's a you're always just so grateful to work. Working as an actor is is the biggest gift because the hardest thing to do in acting is actually get a job, but. Um, to be on a job that where you also get to work during uh, during lockouts and during strikes and during you know pandemics, I mean it's um, it's pretty amazing. You know, I we just there's possibly looming strikes in Hollywood that everybody's discussing right now, and so we just shot another season of the show just to get one in the can in case. Uh, but he can move that quickly, um, so it's really an uh, uh, an incredible place to be having another season ready in the can this is very inspiring at queen and if i understood correctly uh, this mega project entered your life from the door but the entrance hall yeah it just it, it, <laughs> it came out of nowhere like literally and so it was uh it was really, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm very, very grateful and very blessed. And, you know, all shows end. This one's going to end too. And um, I will be sad when it does. Absolutely. The entrance hall was a direct uh, reference to the name of the main door in the White House. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Well, you know, when I, when I got the job, the White House wasn't built yet. He showed me. He said, that's where the White House was going to be. And I thought, ah, it's going to be some cheap sort of, you know, pop up. Like, you know, it'll look like a facade of the White House. Nope. He built it. The whole thing to scale. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty spectacular. Tyler Perry built it and uh, this television series uh, is a political drama and also a primetime soap opera called uh, The Oval. But if I understood correctly, it is not always about politics, but about relationships and the behind the scene. What is your uh, personal uh, interpretation of uh, the political element in that series? Yeah, no, Tyler's vision for the show was to do, well, the upstairs, downstairs of the, uh, of the White House. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, very, uh, a very old way of, of storytelling about institutions, not like a Downton Abbey or something in which you, you tell the story of behind closed doors, what the cameras don't see in politics, and you get into the personal lives of the people who keep the White House running. Um, now, Tyler loves crazy, over-the-top, salacious storylines. So you, <laughs> the, some of the uh, storylines in our show are borderline just bonkers. Um, but that's okay. People love it. And it's super fun to act. It's super fun to uh, to get to, to to play those roles. So um, yeah, it's just um, it's it's a really fun, crazy roller coaster of a, of a ride. And uh, I just I just love that the fans continue to absolutely love it. Absolutely. Uh 
Ed Queen, this story is taking place at the banks of the Potomac River in Washington, D.C. Uh, following uh, your specific uh, story as the president of uh, the United States uh, of America. And I would love to discuss about becoming POTUS because there is uh important responsibilities yeah it's you know having studied history and i also studied that there's it's it's a, it's it's probably the most difficult job in the world it's almost impossible to be good at it because you know half the country is going to hate you just because you play for the wrong team um and so it's it's an incredibly difficult position to be put in And that is sort of what I, Mike drove my character that, you know, he didn't even really want to be a politician. He sort of fell into politics and just kept winning elections. He became a mayor and then he became a governor. And now all of a sudden he's the president and his, <laughs> his, his family's a hot mess. He's a hot mess. And yet he's there as the figurehead for the most powerful nation in the world. And so um, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to have a lot of fun with that. It was a lot of fun to have a lot of fun with that. And your character went, as you just mentioned, from the mayor of Pittsburgh to governor of Pennsylvania. And uh, I assume uh, that, uh, as you just mentioned, you studied uh, the history of the U.S. president. But as an actor, you also maybe relearned to do uh, handshaking. <laughs> And also walking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's all of the things. It's you know, sitting down and making sure your suit isn't wrinkled when you sit down into the chair. It is. It's you know, having you speak one way when you're talking to everybody else, and then when you speak to America, you have a voice that reaches everyone, not just your poor constituents, but across the aisle. Because the only way our country will be strong is if we come together as one. And so, yeah, so you're always, you get, you get to play with all sort of those little uh, uh, nuances of, of, of playing the president. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely, Ed Queen, you cannot uh, handle the microphone the same way you did in the video clip of Lights Out Love. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it is, it's definitely, you know, you have to, I, I think a lot of people were very surprised that I was, uh, when they saw the character that I was playing on, um, On, uh, on on you know like when they when the music came out no a lot of people don't know I was a musician and they certainly didn't think I was going to be playing you know hard rock blues and so it's actually been really fun um, to sort of have this different uh, side of myself um, the different artistic because for me music is just art you know I'm not trying I, I put all those songs write the songs and record the songs and perform the songs and make the music videos. I, completely out of like a labor of love and uh, I don't uh, I, I really have no expectations for it I'm just proud when it gets out there because now I can live forever in the ethos I am really enjoying those lo those words uh, echo of love and uh, Ed Queen to come back to uh, this television series The Oval what is um, 
your favorite part of uh, this experience because uh, this is, I believe, the role you always wanted uh, since the beginning. Uh, what are your most memorable uh, moments? Well, I'm just happy. I mean, you know, when you do a Tyler Perry show, you have a real opportunity to be successful. And if you're not, it usually has something, you know, he's had some very good shows get canceled because the network he was making them for decided to go a different way with programming or his deal ran out or there's, there's lots of reasons why shows don't make it. And so I knew I've been in this business a long time. I've been on a lot of canceled shows. I've done a lot of, a lot of pilots that didn't make it. Um, so I was so relieved that we found an audience, Tyler's audience basically <laughs> really embraced us. Um, and that the show is continued to be super entertaining. Um, and for me, I just tried to make my character a little bit different than some of the archetypes in Tyler's other shows. I wanted, you know, as crazy as president Hunter Franklin is, I also wanted him to be really funny. I wanted him to make people laugh. And I'm pretty sure, you know, I know from watching Twitter on show night that, you know, almost every episode I, I, I have people laughing out loud, which is, uh, you know, that's, that to me is probably <laughs> the thing I'm the most proud of. We can put all of the success of the oval on the quality of the handshake of Hunter Franklin because they can be subjects of a extensive commentary and can garner a wild media attention. Yeah, absolutely. So it's very, very true. Um, you know, you, you, uh, you're playing this very iconic character and, you know, to pull it off and then to, you know, I'll be, I'm going to a party tonight in downtown LA. I'm going to go buy a massive 70 foot electronic billboard of me as the president, which is, uh, You know, it's one of those things you never really get used to, but just a reminder that, you know, you got real lucky and, and you worked real hard and, and things are going real well. So you just mentioned those words, the things are going well at Queen. And this is particularly the case uh, this year because uh, you are involved in two very special projects that are going to come this year. And I would love to hear more about it. I am talking about men in a long black coat and also Shadow Force. Yeah, it, it was a great end to last year. Uh, we shot a season of The Oval in uh, the spring. I worked on the music most of the summer. And then come fall, I all of a sudden first got a phone call um, from Joe Carnahan, the director of Shadow Force. And he had this great action thriller that he was going to shoot in Columbia with Kerry Washington and Frenchman Omar Sy and Mark Strong. And it was, uh, it was just this, it's such a fun script. It's such a big, it's a big Lionsgate movie, you know, lots of bullets, lots of blood, lots of fun lines. <laughs> and so we just had this incredible experience down there. I can't wait. I don't, I haven't 
Don't have any information on their release date. I know they're close to locking pictures, so as soon as they do that, then they can figure out when they want to um, when they want to uh, release the you know like like have the big premiere of the movie. Um, and so it was great. I was in this perfect spot where I was sort of like I thought kind of done for the year. Was building a house, kind of focused on other stuff. And out of nowhere, I get another offer for this movie, A Man in the Long Black Coat. Much different type of film, sort of a high plains, modern Western. Uh, Mark Fierstein does an amazing job as the lead. Incredible cast as well. Uh, Neil McDonough, uh, Christopher Lloyd, uh, Dermot Mulroney. Um, so it's, um, I'm really excited to see, see that movie as well. That'll be coming out this year. So it was a nice, strong end to last year. Uh, and then coming into this year, you know, went back, shot another season of The Oval and uh, been promoting the music. I have live performances coming up. I have uh, all this other fun stuff. And, um, you know, and it'll be really fun when those movies, you know, finally hit the screen. This will be very fun when those movies hit the screens. I am, and I am looking forward uh, to see Detective Wallace and Parker on the screen. Thank you very much, Arthur Edward Quinn. <laughs> Thank you, Victor, so much. This was really, really nice. Thank you for having me. And again, if your listeners um, are interested in the music, edquinn.com or anywhere <laughs> you, uh, you listen or stream music, Ed Quinn and the Swamp Metal All-Stars. Um, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time.